This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to Ramblin' About Washington. Today, I'd like to welcome on to the Rambling About Washington podcast, senior correspondent, reporter, journalist extraordinaire for the NFL Network, and key national contributor for the Atlanta Falcons, Mr. Steve White. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me on, Rio. Hope all is well with you. Absolutely. Hope the same for yourself. We're three weeks into the NFL season. How do you feel about everything right now? It's, it's weird, you know, because there's still 14, yes, 14 games left to play. Um, weird. Of course, some teams look like gangbusters. Uh, some teams look like they're in shambles. Some of that will hold. Some of it won't. But some of these teams, you know, like the Colts or whatever, who haven't gotten off to the to the great start. Washington, you know, we'll see what their identity is. You know, I, I've talked to a bunch of coaches and coordinators, and they say about week four is when we're going to start to see the identity of a lot of these teams because so many starters didn't play in the preseason, so some of the communication breakdowns we've seen those should stabilize, you know, on defense, mm -hmm. open field tackling should get better now uh, since these guys have had a couple of games for it to get going. So this is where we're going to start to see the identity, the identity, the footprint of a lot of these teams where they started good, bad, or kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. I see conditioning as a big thing. I've been paying attention to guys. Rotations aren't as we see them normally around mid season form that and officiating, I don't really think they're in midseason form yet no. either because there's a lot no. of murky calls going on right now. Yeah, in terms of physical conditioning of these players, these guys are in shape. I mean, th these guys, I'm not worried about that part of it. But the officiating, oh, it's bad. it has been all over the place. You know, two <laughs> weeks ago, it was taunting, taunting, taunting. Last week, it was like, what's taunting? Hey, we, we're not going to call it. So <laughs> pass interference is all over the place. Defensive oh, holdings all over the place. Uh, it's yeah, it, it's been a little bit random, but hopefully that stabilizes. Eh, don't get yourself fined for talking about the refs, by the way, man. <laughs> but who's the most surprising team for you right now? Like for me, I'd say Las Vegas. Who would you say is the most surprising yeah. team? I'd probably say the Raiders. I mean, I knew offensively that they were going to be good, but what Gus Bradley has been able to do, um, you know, they look they they look so much better on defense. Um you know, on the flip, you know, it's 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 really kind of hard to say. You know, again, I thought the Colts would be better, but they've had the quarterback injury situation. But and they've played, they've got this brutal schedule. Oh man! Um, so that. we'll <laughs> we'll see if if they stabilize. I'm I'm a little concerned about like the Seahawks defensively. What's going on? You know, just just them kind of being all over the place. Um, but otherwise, I mean, things are kind of holding. Pretty much to form again. I'm not forming too many opinions after three games. Absolutely. This this week four is kind of where I figure we're going to get going. Yeah, and another thing that I see that stood out to me is no rookie quarterbacks really taking over or has a smoking hot start right now. I feel like the the rookies all look like rookies right now. Yeah, I mean, look, they're on bad teams. Yeah. You know that. That's why these guys were high picks. The bad mm -hmm. teams have the high Absolutely. picks. So it's not like Zach Wilson went into a great situation. I mean, Mac Jones went into a pretty decent situation, and, and they're okay. I mean, they're not perfect. He hasn't been perfect, but it's not like 
they're whole, you know, the Patriots are horrible. They're going to be, they're going to work their way through things. It might not be necessarily a playoff type of year, but it could be. That's not going to happen with the Jets. Um, you know, we saw Justin Fields with Chicago get taken apart by a very, very good Browns defense. A lot of that's on the head coach for not having him ready or the other players ready to fit his style of offense. Some of it's on him. You know, he's a, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And so and he, and he faced probably the most talented defense in the NFL, Yep. you know, and then Trevor Lawrence, you know, you just don't know what's going on in Jacksonville, but they were the worst team in the NFL last oh, year for a reason. So yeah. they've got a long way to go. So it's going to take these guys a while to get going. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know you, you see the Washington defense, you know, we're only mm-hmm. three weeks into the season, but it, it looks really bad right now. Like, from what you based on your observations of what you've seen so far, what do you see the issues are? Communication, man. Communication. You see, you see it on a couple of teams where things on the back end do not marry things on the front end. And when I say that is a certain pressure, you know, the guys in the back end have a certain coverage calls, and maybe the, it doesn't match up with the pressure. And so somebody's exposed. And, and, you know, that's why you're saying Washington, you know, their, their pass defense has been all over the place. I mean, look, you're playing Buffalo. They can, they can do that to you. Right. Yep. But it just hasn't been consistent. The guys up front haven't been consistent. This is the week for them to get well, because Atlanta's got a really, I mean, Atlanta's tackles are pretty good, mm-hmm. but you know, interior guard to guard, that's where they're vulnerable. That's where we've seen Washington's, you know, interior defense get to the quarterback and makes a play. You know, if they can flush Matt Ryan, you know, they could force some turnovers and they can force, you know, some errant throws. And and so this is a really this is going to be a really good tell for the Washington defense, at least as it, as it pertains to up front. And I think if those guys get pressure, the guys in the back are going to look a lot better. Oh, yeah, because we definitely need it because yeah. the stats will tell you that we're like second in the league in pressure, but we're not getting home at all. And I'm seeing Montez Sweat and Chase Young lose in one on one protection a lot because they're not going in with a real pass rush plan. They're kind of just trying to out-athlete every tackle in front of them, which could work on the college level in high school, but it's not going to work in the NFL. It's not going to fool these NFL tackles. Well, I mean, look, it worked last year. Now, I mean, look, there, there, again, there, there's technique things. Mm-hmm. Teams adjust their pressures and protections, even if it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, it's not like they're playing a bunch of bum teams. Oh, yeah. So, and what they're doing on the edge could be to set up guys inside. So, I mean, there's some things that way. Again, you don't judge things by sack numbers. Judge things by oh, pressures, sure. disruptions, and things like that. Because a pressure to get a guy, because Matt Ryan, you get him off the spot. You may not sack him, but since he's not that real mobile guy, you get him off the spot, he can have an air and throw. It could get tipped. Mm-hmm. It could end up getting you know interception. So those are the things you really need to, to look at. And, again, I think they'll settle in a little bit this week, you know, if, if they really take advantage of some of the, some of the issues along Atlanta's front. Okay. You went to Howard university, right? I did. I did. Okay. And when you were at Howard university, that was in some of the glory years of Washington. Tell, tell me what that was like, what the mood was like when you were there. Oh, when I was at Howard, that's when DC was, it was in a really weird place. It was the murder cap of the United States. I transferred in in 86. I went to Missouri University for the first two years uh, where I played football. I transferred to Howard, stopped playing. But it was the summer after Len Bias um, had died. So there was this really kind of creepy fear. Crack was really being introduced into mainstream America. So like all of the 
a lot of the gangs and stuff up in New York had come down to DC. So DC was hot. Oh, so, but it was also like a really huge time and entertainment, you know, the new Jack swing, mm-hmm. all those, you know, Teddy Riley, I'll be sure heavy D, you know, all those guys were coming on the campus, uh, hanging out. So it, it was really kind of cool. Um, but, you know, with me being in school of communications at this time, we had this great cluster of students who ended up doing well. You know, Frederica Whitfield, who's on CNN Weekend, Stan Verrett, who, who hosts Sports mm-hmm. Center. Him and I graduated together. Wow, Gus Johnson. Yeah, Gus Johnson, who's on Fox. He was like a year or two behind Stan and I. Oh, and there's so a lot cool. of, yeah, and a lot of great writers and stuff. So we had this really competitive, like friendly group of people together. So it was, it was fantastic for me, you know, coming from the suburbs outside of St. Louis coming to DC where you had this constant um, element of violent crime. So you're learning to kind of navigate that as to where this really kind of joyous, harmonious um, feeling of, of student body on a college campus in a campus of students, you know, that looked like me, which I had never experienced in my life. And so it was really just, you know, a really interesting time, which I see it made me a man because of all the things I had to navigate to kind of get through and then to really be prepared the way I was to enter the workforce. You know, I started out working in Richmond, Virginia, you know, when I graduated, you know, worked at the, worked at the Washington Post, you know, when I was in college as a part-time or eventually came back um, a couple years later to cover the NBA. But it was just a really, it was, it was some of the best times in my life. I love Howard. I love what Howard is about. I love what the type of people Howard produces. Um, and it just means everything to me. So you got my HBCU Legacy Bowl mm-hmm. on, Black College Football Hall of Fame, yes, sir. You know, which I'm a part of um, in terms of the group honoring some of the greats from HBCU. So it, it means everything to me. That's excellent. That's excellent. And this offseason, another place that you're connected to, Atlanta, because you did yep. some time working for, I believe, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I did. I, I, worked, I worked for them for when I left the Washington Post. I was down there for five years. And then when I first started at the NFL Network, I was based in Atlanta for four additional years before moving out to Los Angeles. But this offseason, um, I helped call some of the preseason games, did a bunch of stuff there. I still write columns for their website and do some appearances from here and there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm connected to that club. Okay. So how, how did that – so was it the connection through you used to work there? Is that what brought it up? Or did the team just reach out to you? We'd like to do some content for you. I've got some relationships there um, with some people high up in the building and you know, work on a couple projects kind of outside of football, but dealing with HBCUs and the Falcons are one of the sponsors for the black, as a title sponsor for the Black College Football mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. The museum itself, of course, is located at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but, and talking with some of the, the people I, I deal with there, with that, and again, another project we're hoping to announce um, in a couple months, it just kind of came up because ESPN's Mina Kimes, Love her. she calls mm-hmm. preseason games, with a group like this year with Andrew Siciliano from NFL mm-hmm. Network and Aqib Tlaib and just having her, you know, she's really dynamic. She sees the, the game and, and sports in a really, you know, impeccable Interesting way. way. Yeah. Right. And, and so having kind of that really plugged in journalistic viewpoint really enhanced a preseason broadcast where you're watching guys who really aren't going to play much in the regular season, but it really kind of gave you a nice outlook on where all of this is headed once the regular season started. I was like, I can do that. And so just in my conversations with the people with the Falcons, that's how this kind of came about. Like, have you ever thought about, you know, tinkering with your booth or adding somebody 
who does what I do to kind of really get an interesting perspective. Because you can have the former player analyst. It was DJ Shockley one game, Coy Y or another. I covered both mm-hmm. those guys and they were with the Falcons. But, you know, they're explaining what's happening on the field, you know, why they're running on cover two, two high safety, this type of stuff. Whereas I'm saying, okay, look, here's here's the players that they're looking at. Here's what they're trying to do. Here's the pace they're trying to develop these guys. And, they said, and it really added, you know, a nice – flavor to the broadcast kind of educate the viewer in a bigger picture and plus because i cover all 32 teams i have a basis of comparison like here's what arthur smith did at tennessee here's why he's not going to do the exact same thing as the head coach of the falcons here's why and here's some of the other you know and here's some of the other elements that play into that so it was a really good mix a really good chemistry and uh I got to tell you, there's nothing like calling games. Out of everything I've done, there's I nothing bet. like that's a thrill being in that moment. It, it's really, really great. Oh, that's cool. And because I recently had Mike Silver on the show, he said he's your boy. By the way, that's my dude. Can you that's confirm my dude. That? <laughs> that's my dude. Yeah, man, awesome guy, man. He told me because um, he's now in a, in the, a very similar content type role with the Washington football team. He told me he reached out to you and talked to you about what you're doing in Atlanta. So that's really cool what y'all got going right now. Yeah, I mean, look, and Mike's my guy. You know, he they didn't renew him at, at NFL Network, which you know I, I can't, I'm not I'm not in agreement with. But <laughs> the business is business because Mike. Well, Mike, does, Mike, does, he adds so much. He's so connected. Um, I've known him since 1994. He's my, he's my guy. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to feel a certain way about him and what happened. But he offers so much, and yeah, he he asked me about how did this work and. Like Mike wasn't part of the broadcast, but he really came up with a bunch of multi-platform things in Washington because they're trying to change the way that, mm-hmm. you know, they deliver the message to the fan base there. We know one of the most rabid it's fan needed. bases <laughs> in the NFL. And Mike, look, Mike is Mike. He brings it, man. He he, he doesn't care. He's, he's unfiltered. And, you know, I, I, I would absolutely encourage anybody to read anything he ever does because he's done some of the greatest pieces in sports journalism history. Yeah, he's he's awesome, man. And his connection with Ron, it shines. You could tell they're boys, both cow bears. That and, cow connection. Yeah, man. I, I told him, I told Mike, I said, you and Ron, y'all gotta pull Rogers here next offseason, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count on that one, bro. Don't, don't, don't hedge your bets <laughs> oh, on that one. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it. But let's let's talk about this game Sunday. Two one and two teams coming in. Yep. One team with expectations this year, another team. The Falcons are a weird team because I feel like they didn't really have low or high expectations coming into the season. Like with with the hiring of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot as GM and head coach, what was the feeling going into the season and what is it now after three games? It's it's a really odd, whereas you're seeing teams, you know, like the Jaguars and the Jets and, you know, the Bears to some degree try to build around a young quarterback right they know they're going to take their lumps while the quarterback takes their lumps meanwhile the falcons were in a situation where they could have done it but they decided to keep matt ryan and draft kyle pitts the tight end it's a really odd roster in terms of youth mid-contract you know guys in their athletic prime and then dudes who are on one-year deals who you know who aren't going to be there next year and as the preseason went along, it became abundantly clear what they are trying to do is to form an identity and to build a roster to be kind of ready to insulate the next young quarterback when that time comes. Now, they're going to try to stay competitive and, and do everything with Matt Ryan in the meantime, but 
you know, you saw them do some things defensively because they, they had to get some players, but those players really mm-hmm. aren't on the field. Um, you know, they've got some rookie offensive linemen. They're trying to develop and they're taking their lumps right now. Yep. Well, you know, that running back group with Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, that's, that's not a long-term solution. You know, they've got Calvin Ridley, <laughs> who's a really good wide receiver, and Russell Gage, who's good. He's a little nicked up. Don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. But it's just like, are these guys going to be – three and 13 are they going to be you know five and 12 are they going to be seven and ten you know and it's just weird you don't want to be too far to the middle because if you got to get a quarterback you got to give a lot of stuff up to move up mm-hmm. food chain to get it but at the same time your first year head coach and a first year general manager and terry fontenot and arthur smith you don't want to lose too many games because you get those L's on the resume and that that's, that's not really, you know, you're not going to get people to believe in what you're trying yeah, to do. And it can become really high. catastrophic. Yeah. It become really catastrophic. And unfortunately they've got a very patient owner, Arthur Blank. Mm-hmm. So he knows it's going on. He's going to let them see this through, you know, but at some point it's going to have to turn. But I think, I think this is going to take a little bit slower than what people are hoping just because the way the roster is constructed, it needs a lot of work. They've got to get through a bloated salary cap this season and then kind of figure out what they're going to do from here. You don't think they should have went quarterback in the first round this year? <sighs> they, they're, I, they're, I, do. They're, I do. I do. I do as well. I mean, Justin Fields was there. I don't know if they wanted to bring him back home. I know they really liked Trey Lance, but at the same time, they knew that, well, you know, they're one of the teams that really thought that the Niners, that was their guy. Mm-hmm. Like they really thought like you're not moving up to number three to get Mac Jones as much as everybody in the media was like Mac Jones, Mac Jones, everybody. And I was like, this doesn't smell Me right. Too. There's no, there's nobody else behind them talking about. They would have taken Mac Jones at four five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like we would no. Why would we, he's not a top 10 guy. So, you know, the fact that their cap was, are taking a big hit from the Julio Jones, you know, even trading him and they traded him post June one, so taking a big hit this year on his deal, they restructured Matt Ryan's deal to so where they're taking a massive hit this year and next year. So that really kind of put them in, what are we going to do? Now, you're going to pay Kyle Pitts the same as you're going to pay the quarterback. But is that quarterback going to be able to develop behind a, a Matt Ryan? I think so. Because, like, who are the veterans guiding – Trevor Lawrence, you know, and Zach Wilson, that's a, that's vital. They don't exist. exist. I mean, that's a vital element to a young quarterback's development. And I think Matt Ryan could have been that for a Justin Fields, but they love Kyle Pitts. He's somebody who's, they haven't quite figured out how to get him the ball and things. He's going to be a great player. (laughs) Again, I bet they figure they, out. I bet they figure out a way to get them the ball this weekend because our linebackers do not cover tight ends. That's not good. <laughs> that is not, not good. It's, it's, they, it's Kyle Pitts breakout week. I promise you. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like the Falcons linebackers, they can cover the running backs who Washington likes to throw to. You know, um, Alua Khan and, and uh, mm-hmm. Deion Jones can run, oh, yeah. and they can cover. So that's where you know you might have a little flip when it comes to linebackers and coverage schemes. Oh yeah. So it's get right week. Atlanta's offense is struggling. 16 points a game. Our Good defense God. is struggling. Who who has the advantage in the get right battle? Because they both look really, really bad right now. I, th- I think Washington. I, th- I think Washington's defense because Falcons can't run the ball. Okay, and their offense is is really based success wise on run action, running the ball. And if you can't 
keep a defense honest by the inability to run, then how does that affect your run action? It allows you to double Ridley, mm-hmm. to roll certain coverages to Pitts, and if Russell Gage isn't in there, who else is going to beat you? Now, I think the, you know, the Falcons do need to get Hayden Hurst more involved in the run game, but because their offensive line is wobbly, they got to keep him in for protection a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is an opportunity for Washington's defense, again, the communication aspect of it, to figure things out a little bit. I mean, the, the Falcon, you're going to give them all that pre-snap eye candy and motions and, and things like that. But if they stay disciplined, um, they've got an opportunity because Atlanta is quick passing game, quick passing game. I mean, Matt Ryan, I think, is averaging less than seven yards of completion. It's bad right now. Calvin Ridley's averaging less than nine yards of completion. He should be 17, 18 yards of completion, even if it's catch and run. Mm -hmm. And and so that's that's, that's not a good way to try to move the ball. I mean, Cordero Patterson right now has been their most dangerous offensive weapon as a running back wide receiver. That's not good. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I mean that's 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 not how you're gonna win a ton of games. Not even. And um, so what quarterback receiver connection would you, would you give the advantage this weekend? Heineke to McLaurin or Ryan to Ridley? Heineke to McLaurin. Yes. You know, look, a, you know AJ Terrell, the, the Falcons' really good corner. He's back. He practiced today. Mm. He had a concussion. Didn't play last week. He's he's a really good player. But otherwise, everything else in that secondary is like. <laughs> survive, 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 and get to the next week. And so I think if Heineke can extend some plays, he'll have some opportunities. It really has some explosive plays against the secondary. Now, Washington's got to be able to run the ball, too. No, we have to. Yeah, I mean, the Falcons linebackers, the way they play, I talked about how good they are in coverage, but they are aggressive coming downhill. They're going to blitz the A-gaps and really kind of hold – firm to control the A and B gaps when they don't blitz, but it's, uh, you know, and then Grady Jarrett and Marlon Davidson are good on the inside. So, you know, Washington's got to be able to find ways to run to set their offense up. Otherwise their run action doesn't work. But I do think because of Heineke's mobility, he'll be able to get some, some throws over the top. Um, so this, th- again, this is a week where we're going to find out a lot about Washington and what their ability is Mm -hmm. to kind of take advantage of a team that's got some some very vulnerable holes. Oh, yeah. It's definitely time for fool's gold to be revealed. That fourth week, it ends the first quarter of the season. You've got your feet wet a little bit, and this is where we start to see the contenders and the pretenders start to separate themselves. And if we lose this game – one in three. The way Dallas looks right now, they may run away with the division, and you don't want to say that. Come on, come on, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's four games, man. I know, it's, I know, man. I know. NFC East. Tell me the last time when some team has run away. With <laughs> it does not. It, does it doesn't. Not it happen. doesn't happen. It doesn't. So happen. no, it, uh, no. The, there's always there's always a, a few market corrections during the season <laughs> that division. So. Even if the even if Washington loses this weekend, I don't think it's panic button time. That's that schedule. Uh, that schedule gets a little ridiculous after we play the Saints. Man, we got Mahomes, Brady, we got Russell Wilson in there. We got some. We don't see the division again until December. Our season ends on five division games. Has that ever been done before, to your knowledge? It, yeah, it, it has. And again, okay. you see it a lot. You see it a lot in the NFC East. They love doing this teams in the NFC East. So usually they'll drop in um, what used to be, you know, your your week 15 game, or your week 14 game, and, and a non-division game. But 
you know, this is where TV and everything and scheduling comes into play. And they know the major market size in the television audience of, of the NFC East too. So, you know, the, the NFL schedule makers get it. Okay. So I got a couple but, more for you and I know you uh-huh. got to run. What were you going to say? No, I said, but you, Hey, those schedule makers have given us some awesome games to oh, kick the sure. season off. I will tell you that there's been some incredible games. And again, teams like the Raiders showing up like they have, mm-hmm. that's only made it far more interesting. The Chargers showing up the way they have made them. Far more interesting. These Sunday night games have been phenomenal. They have been phenomenal, and I love what they're doing right now. So give me your prediction for Sunday's game, if you're allowed to do so. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big score guy, but I think Washington wins. I, don't, I think it's going to be, you know, just a stuck-in-the-mud type game where turnovers will come into play. But I, I think Washington kind of, you know, levels up this week. Yeah, it's gonna be something ugly, like twenty three to twenty one, and it's not gonna be like organic. That's that's not ugly. Thirteen to ten or sixteen to thirteen is ugly. Uh, oh, we we will find a way to muck up a twenty one twenty three score. <laughs> I promise you, we get a, we get we get ugly sometimes. It's hard to watch us sometimes, but I stay loyal. Okay, last question, and you could go in twenty twenty two when week one gets here. The Washington Blanks will be starting who at quarterback? What's the name of the team going to be and who's going to be the starting quarterback? What are some of the names? Is it like the Commanders or something like that? Some type of Wolf Commanders. uh, mm, I don't don't know too many other realistic. uh, The the Washington football team. What do you think? I'm all for it. I think we've all gotten used to it now. I I think everyone in the media is cool with it because they've all... They've like they've said it for a year, and they're all like, you know what? Let's just keep it going. Like it, it makes sense at this point. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's the commanders or red, well, I wouldn't go commanders. I watch um, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah commanders. I, oh, yeah, man. you don't want to go there. That kind of elicits some bad. Um, yeah, think of Waterford. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Some bad thoughts. But I don't know. And then the, the starting quarterback. Gosh. You know, <laughs> it won't be Deshaun play. Watson. Oh, um, <laughs> it won't be him. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Miami, if Tua becomes available and if Tua is a quarterback or they, you know, they think that um, can do some things. They want a young guy who's still got West to have two years left on a rookie contract. Um, you know, he might be something to look at because I think because of his injury history and just. You know, I know they're going to be a play to get to Sean Watson next year. We'll we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see if Carolina extends Sam Darnold. Okay, um, that's an interesting name. I hope Derek Carr finally. I hope Gruden finally moves on because I love what I see from him right now. That'd be great to punch in there. But I think, yeah, he, he I don't to, think I don't think I don't think Derek wants to be anywhere near Jack Del Rio. <laughs> You're so, they, right. so if that happens, they may have to make a coaching change. But um, no, Derek's not going anywhere. It'll be interesting because I think there's going to be some more quarterback movement uh, next year. Hell, who could be Matt Ryan? You know, you never know. I'll take Matt Ryan for a year or two, but oh man, if it's if it's not going to be someone like a Rogers Wilson Carr type player in a trade, it's not. It's It's not the draft. You got to go draft then. You got they better, to. They better not win games. 
or just be ready to read. You got to be ready to just push the cards in the middle of the table. But I'm going to hold out the smallest sliver of hope that Silver and Ron pull the cow card and make the call when the season ain't happening. <laughs> Not happening, brother. Oh, Not man. happening. That you're, you're probably correct. But thank you for coming on with me today, Steve. Um, you can plug anything you got going on, your podcast, what you're doing right now, your social medias, and we can get out. Yeah, man. Look, you can find me at Weich89, W-Y-C-H-E-89 on Twitter and IG. Catch me on NFL Now three times a week on NFL Network and typically every Sunday or every other Sunday or so on game day morning and other NFL Network programs. Absolutely. And you heard the man. Rogers will not be coming to D.C. No. <laughs> but not That's going to do for today's episode of Rambling About Washington. Until next time, hail to the nameless football team. Deuces.